Hey, we are, are glad that you're here this morning. We're in a new series uh, we're going to start today and go over the next few weeks, simply called Gratitude. And uh, I said it's simply called that because I want to look at just a simple approach on how we can become more grateful. Uh, you, you think about your life. Think about what's going on in your life, what you have in your life. And, and my question to you, I think, would be this. What would your life look like if your gratitude went up and everything else went down? If your gratitude increased and your frustration and your discontentment in life went down. I know for me that's something that I ask myself a lot because I want to see that change in my life. I want to see this go up and the other stuff come down. And in our world today, I think it's getting more and more difficult to do that because there's so much junk, there's so much noise, there's so much muck in the world today that it's so easy to get pulled and look in those directions for what we don't have, what we wish we had compared to what we do have. I mean, think about some of the things that we are grateful for. We, we just recognized our veterans a few minutes ago. Thankful to those men and women uh, who, who have served. <clears throat> More than just that, though, we're thankful for the people who are devoted to lives of become, uh, being teachers, getting in classrooms and molding minds from three and four years old all the way up through college, uh, our police and firefighters. I know that's very uh, dear to me. My dad was a police officer. My brother is a firefighter right now. Uh, man, the stuff that they step in front of. On, on a daily basis. Uh, our nurses, uh, l- let's go a step further. Think about those people who do the jobs we don't really want to do. You may not think of them as heroes, but I don't want to do that, that type of job. You know, they, they make life worth living for us and make it easier for us by doing some of those types of jobs. We can be grateful for what they have done uh, for us. But again, it's getting so difficult. I don't know how many of you guys watched election coverage in the last week or so. There's the collective groan and sigh. You know, here, here's the thing that gets me on that, and this is why I, I, get, I, I just step back. If anybody tries to engage me in a political conversation, it's over in about 10 seconds. Not because I defeat it, because I just change the subject. Here's why. I watched some of the election coverage, and what I saw was commentators typically complain more about the people they won that they didn't like than celebrate the ones that they did like. And we, we can tease that, and we can say, well, that's just CNN for you, that's just Fox News for you. No, that's, that's us, period. Forget politics. How often do we spend more time grumbling, complaining, or being frustrated about things that aren't going well than we do celebrating things that are? That's just life in general. We, we get this way all the way down the list. And again, sometimes I think that's just so much easier to see what we don't have than what we do. In, in Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, Paul gives this long list. If you want, you want to turn in your Bibles here, it's where we're going to start. Paul gives this long list, starting in the middle of chapter 4 all the way uh, through the, almost the end of chapter 5, of what it's like to be a Christian, what our lives should look like. In fact, in my Bible, the heading simply says, Instructions for Christian Living. And he gives this list of do's and don'ts for how to become more like Jesus. And as he goes down this list, 36 verses uh, of, of instruction on do's and don'ts, he wraps it up this way in Ephesians 5, verse 18. He says, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with songs and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, uh, to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, look at that list. Be filled, sing songs, uh, make music, always give thanks. We think about this, and, and of the list of things that he could have said to do, this is how he, he ties it up. 
several years ago, we were, we were asked, if, if, if you could increase one attribute about yourself, what would it be? And, you know, becoming a, 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 a what I was doing at the time, I was, I was in training, I was working on becoming a pastor, I was wanting to become a better preacher. What are some of the things that pop in my head immediately? If I could increase one thing, wisdom is number one. I mean, I want to learn more so I can teach more. I want to learn more so I can teach better. Uh, number two, maybe like leadership. I want to become a better leader, a stronger leader. Uh, I want to grow in, in, in my strength in terms of uh, being able to handle criticism and not take things personally. Uh, I want to grow in, in, in conflict management and resolution. These are things I, I need to get better at. And after all this, somebody finally said, what about gratitude? Who wants to grow in gratitude? It was funny because I had heard recently uh, a pastor that I look up to. We asked him, we said, when you get to the end of your, your career in ministry, get to the end of your life, what do you want to be known for? And he said, I just want to be known for being grateful. This guy's got one of the biggest churches in America. And, and that's what he wants to be known for. Not for being one of the greatest preachers or writers or, or, or anything. He wants to just be known as somebody who was grateful. And what's so cool about that is if you got to know him, Man, that, that, that is just him. This is one of the most humble, servant-minded people you're ever gonna find. And as a result, this church, which is o- over 15,000 people, is known as one of the most loving and serving and grateful churches in America. What he has done has trickled down to his church. And now that church is making an impact in its community and in its state because of that. What he started, he has trickled out to others, and now that whole community has come together to, to, to form this amazing bond of gratitude. And what he understands is, is that when it comes to, to gratitude, that, that there's just two simple principles, I think, what, what we can embrace as us as a church here at Redwood, as a community here in the Grants Pass area, uh, on how we can make that impact for others. Here's the first principle. Number one, every good gift we have comes from God. Every good gift comes from God. Uh, James, the, the brother of Jesus, in his letter says this, James chapter 1, verse 17. He says, every gift, uh, good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. You guys know this. You go outside and it's sunny. If you're out there for very long, the shadows move, right? That's just how uh, the, the world spins as, as we spin around the sun. That's, that's how it works. Uh, day to day, the shadows look a little different. They, they angle a little different, a little longer some times of the year than others. With God, that's not the case. Those shadows don't change. Because with God, there's no darkness. There's nothing around him that that increases darkness at all. And as a result, we realize the more we are around him, the more we can become like him. And when it comes to gratitude, when we understand that everything we have that has come from God, our gratitude can grow. Here's a couple little things about gratitude that, that I've learned over the years, I think, are important to know. First one is this, gratitude is intentional. Gratitude is intentional, but it's not natural. We are selfish at, at heart. We are selfish in our, our human nature. You may say, well, I'm really not. Well, may, good, maybe you've learned to overcome that. But selfishness is natural for us. Gratitude is not. Don't believe me? Hang out with a two-year-old. <laughs> What's one of the first words a child typically learns? Mine. My, my oldest is in here today. She decided to come in here and eat donuts instead of go to kids' class, and now she's bothering Matt and Christine, but um, that's what kind of parents we are. We just let our kids go bother other people, but <laughs> remember once when she was about two, I took her to McDonald's, get her a Happy Meal. I reached over and took one of her fries. 
What'd she say? Daddy, those are mine. <laughs> Excuse me? Well, the $5 bill just came out of your wallet? No. You know, th- th- but that's natural, right? Uh, her and, and, and Amelie fight a lot. That's mine. Yesterday she came in crying. Amelie's wearing my clothes. <laughs> of course, me being the compassionate father, I said, the more you cry about it, it'll probably help, okay? That's just, I don't know. I'm not good at responding in those situations still yet. <clears throat> but we think about this for a second. Are we any different? I mean, gosh, I'm not. How many times do, do I think about things that, that I have that I could share with others? I'm like, yeah, God, I know you gave that to me, but, but you gave it to me, it's mine. God's like, I, I paid for it, so technically it's not. But we still have that same attitude. Gratitude, though, it's intentional. And, and something that I, I really want to teach my kids is gratitude. But I, I, I notice this about myself, and this might re, uh, relate to you too. I've noticed something about myself that I've had to stop doing as a parent lately. Because I want my kids to learn gratitude and therefore also generosity, but not the way that I've been approaching it. Because I've, I've been guilty of this. I'll go in at times and their room is a mess. They've got toys everywhere that they don't care about and pick up and they're, they're at risk of getting broken. And I'll say those, those magic words of, well, maybe I'll just give this to some kid who really wants it. And it hit me recently, like, what am I doing? I'm teaching that generosity is punishment. That giving is a bad thing. And I, I told Jennifer the other night, I said, I've got to stop doing that. I, I've got to stop that because I don't want them to look at giving to others as a bad thing. I don't want them to look at giving to others as, well, now I can get something new because I gave this up. I want to teach them to give out of gratitude. To, to, to give out of, out, of, out of their heart, not because they have to, but because they want to. Uh, a former pastor of mine figured this out. He came up with this, this simple philosophy that gratitude requires practice. That gratitude requires repetition. You need to do it over and over, and the more you do it, the more you're going to get it. And, and, and here's something that he did. Uh, <clears throat> he said that, that one Christmas, him and his wife made this decision, we're going to stop giving our grandkids gifts. And instead of giving them gifts, he gave them all a $100 bill. Crisp, brand new $100 bill. These are teenagers. So imagine, you know, the look on a teenager's face when they open a card and there's a $100 bill in there. I mean, you, when you're a teenager, you don't really know how much 100 bucks can buy, so you think you can go buy anything with 100 bucks, right? So they open this up, there's a brand new crisp $100 bill. And he goes, he said, they all open it at the same time, they all had this amazing look on their face. He goes, okay, now here's the, the rules. You're not allowed to spend this on yourself. He said the looks changed <laughs> like that. <laughs> he said, here's the rules. You can't spend this on yourself. You have to spend this on somebody who needs it. He said, I don't care who it is. It can be a widow. It can be a single mother. It can be a disabled vet. It can be somebody who lost their job. I don't know, but you need to spend this on somebody who needs it. He said, after a few minutes, you could start seeing their wheels turning he said, and then you have to come and tell me about how you spent it. He goes, I don't want you just to go give it off. He said, I want you to sit and have a conversation with somebody. Well, they do this. And that first year was probably a little bit begrudging for them. They probably didn't enjoy it that much. <clears throat> the next year, it rolled back around Christmas time. Grandpa, are we going to get 100 bucks again? They were looking forward to it. Then it became tradition. He goes, easy for me. I don't have to shop. You know, I just put the money in there. But he's like, it's teaching them Gratitude, to be thankful for what they have because 
they can give something that might not be as significant to them to somebody else who needs it. The more you learn that gratitude is intentional and the more that you practice gratitude, the more it trickles down through everything in your life because gratitude is inseparable from uh, humility. And when you learn that, you learn that God is good and, and you can thank God no matter what's going on, no matter what muck or craziness or distraction is going on in your world. First Thessalonians, uh, Paul says this, this is in, in, in the message translation, he says, be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. It's easy to thank God when everything is going well. It's easy to. But sometimes it gets hard when everything is piling on top of you. Sometimes it's hard to be thankful when it feels like you're not catching a break. When just thing after thing after thing, I'm talking about just one thing, I'm talking about everything just piling on you. Everything just continuing to pile. Some of you have been there, some of you are there. It's hard to thank God, I get it. But we have to figure out how to do it anyway. Sometimes we just have to make that conscious, intentional decision to do it anyway. Several years ago, the band Casting Crowns wrote this song that has just reached out to so many people and spoken to so many people in these times. And they sing this song. They said, I was sure by now, God, you would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I say amen, that it's still raining. As the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain, I'm with you. And as your mercy falls, I raise my hands and praise to God who gives and takes away. I'll praise you in this storm and I will lift my hands that you are who you are no matter where I am. Every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand. You never left my side. Though my heart is torn, I'll praise you in this storm. This is my friend, uh, Angie. Uh, Angie is a, is a teacher back in my hometown. I've known her for a long time. Um, this is a, a woman who has got four kids. She's a, a staple in her church, a youth sponsor in her church. Uh, she is a marathon runner. She's a fitness guru. Um, raised a great family. Earlier this year, she got a terminal cancer diagnosis. You think about those people that you know that get that diagnosis, and you go, man, she certainly didn't deserve that. I mean, we all kind of know somebody like that. She fits that bill. Nothing about her deserved to get that. And I remember back reading her, her post kind of earlier in the year, her, her post on Facebook, her kids' posts on Facebook. And, and she made the comment, this isn't really what I wanted to hear today. But never once in her post has she expressed anger. Never once in her post has she expressed disappointment. Has she expressed like God is letting her down. And she made this commitment. She knows that the, she's got an expiration date and that it's coming sooner rather than later. But she made the declaration, I'm not going to worry about dying, I'm just going to live. And so through what she's going through, the number of people that she is reaching is through the roof. Every time she makes a, I noticed last night, she's made a Facebook post every day for the last two or three months saying something she's thankful for. Those posts get shared like four or five hundred times. She's reaching so many people through what she's going through. She's, she's going to leave behind uh, four kids that are younger than me. She's going to leave behind eight grandkids that are all under the age of six. Leave behind a husband uh, who's in his early 50s. 
but she's gonna leave behind a world better than she left it, or a world better than, than, than she inherited it, because she has made that conscious decision. She speaks at, at events, at churches all the time. She's writing a book, just talking to people about praising God through that storm, thanking God through that storm. And you know, I mean, I, I don't know how I would be if I got a similar diagnosis, if I'm cut down in the prime of my life, I would be bitter, I think. I would probably lash out. I mean, that's just me being honest with you. I probably wouldn't handle it very well. And when I read about people who do, I just, I get so moved by it. Thank God, how much do I complain about? How, how much do I spend my time complaining about where I wish I could have more? Because I'm frustrated with this or I'm, I'm not content with this. And yet, I should be able to thank you anyway. I should be able to praise you anyway. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what chaos or, or distraction or, or muck is going on in your life right now. But let me just encourage you. Let me push you and, 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 and implore you. Whatever it is, continue to thank God and praise God and speak to others because you never know what you're going through. Your perspective on that might change somebody else's life. I don't know with Angie what her future holds, but I can tell you there's a number of people whose lives have changed for the better because of her perspective on what she's going through. And she probably doesn't even fully realize that. She probably doesn't even fully understand that, but she's doing it anyway. Now imagine as a community we did that. Everything that we go through, we put that perspective on it, and and we praise God, and we talk about God no matter what it is. Imagine the impact we can have on our community. Everything that we have comes from Him. Every good gift comes from God. Here's the second principle when it comes to gratitude. And I think we would be wise to remember this. It's that there is an unbreakable link between gratitude and generosity. We are, are entering the holiday season, right? We've got all these holidays lined up in a row. This is the season of giving. This is one of the easiest times of the year to give. And when we understand gratitude, I think it just helps giving all the more. Second Corinthians chapter 9, here's what Paul says. Starting in verse 10, he says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Translation, God has given to you. You should be grateful for that and because God has given to you, it should overflow to others. It should overflow to help other people. It's easy to think about this in terms of material things. Some of you have been blessed with, with well-paying jobs, and, and, and because you are, are doing well financially, you're able to financially bless others. Some of you have been blessed with certain talents, and because of that, you're able to bless others with those talents. This goes beyond just that. 
This goes to a deeper level than just that. I think this goes all the way down to grace. Because we have been shown grace by God that we don't deserve, that we can't earn, that we have no business having. And sometimes we're quick to put that in our pocket and not share that with others. But I mean, that's the gospel message though. That's the entire message of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the life of Jesus is that God gave us grace. Go back to the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave. For God so loved us that he gave. And what did he give us? He gave us something that we don't deserve. Now, I, I can just speak for myself here. The things I've done, <clears throat> if this was to another person, things I've done to God, if this was another person, he probably would have written me off. Told me to go away, he's tired of messing with me. Tired of giving me second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. Tired of me spitting on his name and, and, and undercutting him and, and all of this. But God shows me grace. Not because I earned it or I deserve it, but because he loves me. And the more I understand what Jesus did for me, the more grateful that makes my heart for who God is. And, and then I begin to understand more and more that just like everybody else, I am somebody that God created and loved and died for. And because of that, my gratitude for him grows. And because of that, I just want to share that with other people. I want to give other people more chances. I want to give other people uh, more of that love of Jesus in their lives. I'm not very good at it. I'm trying to get better at it. I'm trying to. I hope you are too. Again, our human nature is not one of gratitude and generosity. It's one of selfishness. I want to overcome all that. I want to get rid of all of that. I want to be more like Jesus and less like the world, less like the me that walked in this door today. I want to be more like him. I want to become more like him. Because here's the thing that we need to understand. Gratitude translates to generosity. The more grateful you are, the more you're going to give. The more grateful you are to Jesus, the more you're going to give of Jesus to others. And the flip side of that is the more ungrateful you are, the less generous you're likely to be. Jesus tells a story in Mark chapter 10 about a young man who was wealthy. He's in charge of, of something. I don't know if he's in charge of a, of a country, if he's in charge of a, of a town, a business, whatever he might be. But he comes to Jesus and he wants to follow Jesus and, and Jesus starts quizzing him on, 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 well, what do you think about me and, and what do you think about following me? And the young man answers all the questions. He answers them all the way they should be answered. And Jesus is moved by that. In verse 21, it says, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And he said, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. It's easy to look at this guy and, and, and to criticize this guy but he got caught in the same trap we often do. He was stuck by what he could see and touch and feel and smell and taste. We get stuck on what we can tangibly sense, what appeals to our five senses. Sometimes we don't get stuck on what we can't see or touch or feel. He tells them, your, your treasure will be in heaven. Well, great, I don't know what that means. But that's what Jesus wants us to do. 
Now, it's easy for us to sometimes say, well, I don't, I don't have a big, huge treasure, so this is easy for me to just give it all and, and walk away. Your treasure is not necessarily money or possessions. Many of you have figured this out. The older I get, the more I realize wealth has nothing to do with possessions. Wealth has nothing to do with my bank account. Wealth has to do with who I am in Jesus and who he's called me to be. And, and the more I see this, the more I think about this, I, I can't escape the, the, this mindset and this thought that what we value determines what we worship. And who we value determines what we worship. If we're like the, this young, young man, that the Bible sometimes calls him the rich young ruler, and we value what we have, and we can't let that go for Jesus, that's ultimately what we worship, and we're putting it above him. But if we're able to let that go and value those that God created and loved and died for, through that we're worshiping Jesus. And we've got to be careful not to put people above Jesus. That's happening in our society right now. We're putting people, you know, human, human rights, human people, human uh, equality across the board above Jesus. We've got to be careful that Jesus still stays at the top and everything else comes second. But if we're valuing those people, we are worshiping him because we're valuing his creation, his child, the one he loves, the one he died for. You've, you've heard me say this before as a church. Our mission is the Great Commission, yes, but it's also what Jesus told his disciples the night after he resurrected from the dead when he says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And you look, why was Jesus sent? Three times he told us. He said, I came to, to give life and give it to the full. I came to serve others, not be served, and I came to seek and save the lost. You think about those three. Giving life to the full, serving others, seeking out the lost. What about those three is selfish? Nothing. All three of those are outward focused. They're laced in generosity. I mean, the two of them specifically, giving life to others, and serving others. And Jesus follows that up by saying, I don't want to be served, I want to serve. And then seeking out, being intentional and in getting out and fighting those who are lost. If we're doing those, church, we are walking in generosity. That's what Jesus did. We want to become more like him. That's what we need to do. The more you do for others, the more your heart starts to grow. In the last couple weekends, uh, we, we've been involved, a lot of us have been involved in, in some service projects. We had a big one here a couple of weeks ago for Halloween. We had hundreds of people here, and there were dozens of people who put in hours and hours to serve them. Last weekend, there were several of us who served across town at Hearts with a Mission, doing a lot of uh, yard work for several hours. Those of you who were involved in both of those, I can only speak for myself, I came home exhausted. I was tired both Saturdays, physically. But spiritually, I wasn't. Spiritually, I was, I was energized. I was refreshed. You know, and, and, and I see that the more I do for others, the more refreshing it makes me. But sometimes we don't see past what it does to us physically. We don't see past what it does to us from a sacrificial standpoint. But the more we do that, spiritually, we're going to grow. Spiritually, we're going to just increase. And the more that increases, the more your gratitude goes up. So yes, gratitude translates to generosity, but generosity translates back to gratitude. It's a cycle. 
It's a cycle. The more grateful you become, the more generous you become, and the more grateful you become, and the more generous you become, and hopefully, church, it's a never-ending cycle that just continues to grow outward and impact more people. And that's what we want to do, right? We want to impact as many people as we can. As a church here, locally, Redwood Christian Church, as a church across this area, as a church across this state. We've seen it time and time again here already, the way we impact people. And you guys know me, I'm not usually content. I want to just keep impacting more and more. I want to grow more and more, because that's what that very first church did. <clears throat> Go back to the day the church started. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit shows up. Peter gives this amazing sermon, and people start coming to the Lord like that. At the end of Acts chapter 2, it tells the first few days of the church. It says this in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. That's about as amazing an example of generosity I can think of right there. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You read that passage and the gratitude and the generosity jumps off the page. And how does God respond? The church grows. When the church grows, the impact grows. More and more people come to know Jesus. Church, we have a couple of amazing opportunities right in front of us to do this. Uh, first here, uh, in the next few days, we're, we're collecting food to put into Thanksgiving baskets, something you guys have done for years. And, and as we do these, we collect these baskets to take to people who can't afford a Thanksgiving dinner. And, and so we're collecting all the stuff that normally goes into it. If you'd love to help with that, talk to Kathy Burns after service. She'll tell you exactly what we need, how much of it we need, and we'll just continue to, to pile those up. Uh, the second one that we do is, is something we started last year called Project Christmas Lights, where we are collecting gifts to give to families for their kids because they can't afford to give them a good Christmas. Last year, we did this for a couple dozen families. I'd love to see that number go up this year. And if you're interested in that, talk to Christine. Uh, Christ, Christine will put up a tree in a couple weeks. We're going to have a, a string of lights on it that are empty. Every time gifts are brought back, you put a bulb in. And our goal is to light the tree up. Put as many trees in it or bulbs in it as we can. Have that thing bright and shiny well before Christmas. If you've never been a part of one of these, let me tell you, it, it, it's, it's impactful. It's impactful for you to do this. I've got to do both. I've got to deliver baskets to people's homes. Uh, last year I was in the office when some people came to pick up some gifts. And let me just tell you that the, the response that we get is overwhelming. The, the tears in people's eyes and, and, and in their breath is overwhelming. Is it the more skeptical and jaded our world gets, the more people can't believe that somebody wants to just be nice and help. With no strings attached, we're not taking these gifts to somebody saying, oh, well, make sure you're here Sunday. It's not that. We're saying, hey, we love you. Somebody did something for us one time that we didn't deserve and we can't pay back and we just want to pay it forward. We just want to give something to you. You don't ever have to pay us back because we love you. If you haven't been a part of something, I would encourage you, be a part of this. Sometimes it's, it's, it's an easy, you know, 
five, ten, twenty dollar investment to make a massive impact in somebody's life. And those are just two examples as we roll into this holiday season. I would love for Redwood Christian Church to be known for its generosity. Love for Redwood Christian Church to be known as a church that just loves and gives and serves. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful, God, that we were given a gift that we didn't earn or deserve. And God, as a result, we want to always remember that so that we can always be thankful for that, so that our gratitude can grow. And as our gratitude grows, Lord, that we would look for ways that we can just continue to pass out what we've been given. God, I'm thankful for the giving nature of this church. Lord, I would just pray that that desire never leaves. In fact, it just grows, that we could just continue to give and give and give. God, I ask that wherever we are today, whatever we're going through, God, whatever terrible situation in life we might be facing, you would keep our eyes on you and you would keep our eyes on what we have been blessed with rather than what we have not been blessed with. Because God, we, we get caught up in material, whether that is possessions, whether that is health, whatever it might be. But God, let us focus always on you, knowing that ultimately we weren't made for this world. We were made for your kingdom. We were made for your world. We were made to have that treasure in heaven with you. God, we love you. We're so thankful for Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.